0: Isn't this wonderful? Isn't it amazing that we can worship the Lord with our talents and with our offerings and with our voices and all that is within us? We praise His holy name. Amen. Before you're seated, we have, we have been able to experience so much incredible talent. I want to just recognize I don't know if, you, if you're aware of this, but Scott Howe is the creative arts pastor here at Nations Church, and he. And Chris Klemis, who's over at the worship department, and Sean Smith, who's over at the choir, and Austin Tyson, who's over at the technical department—they've all done such an amazing job. Would you just put your hands together for the choir, for the worship team, for the band, for the dancers, for the drummers, for the children? What an amazing church family we have! Come on, one more time, lift it up for everybody. Praise God! You can be seated this morning. I know some of you are joining us online. Maybe you came in a little bit late. We uh, gave the offering appeal very early on in the service. So I want to just mention again that if you have not yet had an opportunity to give, we want to encourage you to do that. This is the season of giving. We celebrate the greatest gift of all, which is the gift of God, Jesus Christ, his son. And also it is our joy to enter into giving. So I'm going to ask that that information is put up in the screens there in case you need that. The Bible says that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so you can give online. There's all these different ways on the website. We are nations.church. You can text nationsgive to 94,000. You can make checks payable to Nations Church. You can give on cash App, Venmo or Zelle. Any way that you give, let me go ahead and just say thank you very much. And God bless you. I I want you guys just to leave that up there for the next 30 to 60 seconds. Just so anybody who needs that can still uh, take advantage of it. Amen. Well, if you haven't noticed already, let me just point out to you that there is a theme this morning. You've seen it in the songs, in the spoken word, in the dance, in the drumming, in everything. There's been a consistent theme is that, and that is this great divine gift exchange. How many of you love to get gifts? Amen. I hope you do, because you're probably going to get some this year, and you're probably going to give some this year. And I'll tell you what, when, when you have kids, you realize that, It really is true that the giving is more enjoyable than the receiving. But as people of God, we get to be on both sides of that that exchange. We get to give, we get to receive. But I want to clarify something that's very important this morning. Because when we talk about the exchange that happens, the gift that is exchanged between us and God, I think it's very easy for people to misunderstand what's actually happening here. And I want for us just to take a moment and to recognize what the gift exchange is. I'm sure you've seen movies, you know, it's, it's a very common trope in many movies and even Disney cartoons, that there is this, you know, deal done with the devil. Have you ever seen a movie like this where the devil comes to someone and promises them, you know, fame or talent or wealth or something in exchange for their souls? And so they enter into this exchange where they sign away their soul to the devil in exchange for some temporary Benefit. But how many of you know it always ends badly because in the end of the story, the devil comes to collect. And it's always a tragic ending because when the devil makes a deal with people, the price that he extracts is far greater than the gift that he gives in the end. And this is what the Bible says, uh, means when it says things like Jesus said, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The apostle Paul said that the wages of sin is death. That's the price. That would be an example of a bad deal on a gift exchange. Exchanging your soul for any temporary benefit. That's not the kind of exchange we're talking about here. We're not talking about a bad deal. We're not even talking about a decent deal. I mean, it would be reasonable if God made a deal with, like, with us like this. I will give you my best in exchange for your best. And actually, our souls, by right, already belong to God anyway. He doesn't even need to ask for them. He can demand them. He is the one who created us. Amen? Even if God came to us and took anything he wanted from us by force, that would be completely righteous for him to do. And yet, that is not the deal that God makes. It's not a a bad deal. It's not even a decent deal. It's not even a great deal, because it would be okay for God to say, you know, you guys are a whole bunch of rotty, rotten, dirty, dirty sinners that deserve nothing, and I owe you nothing, you can expect nothing, but here's what I'm going to do for you human beings. I'm going to take the top 10% of you, and I'm going to have mercy on you. Even though, even on your best day, you fall miserably short, I'll take the best ones, the top 10%, The rest I'm going to put aside. Even that would be a great deal for us. And yet that's not the kind of deal that God makes with us. Actually, the deal, the exchange that God is offering us is not a bad deal. It's not a fair deal. It's not even a good deal. It is a mind-boggling, unbelievable, impossible-to-comprehend offer that God makes to us. The gospel is such incredible news. Somebody said it's too good to be true. No, it's too good to not be true. It's so good, it's so amazing that no human could have ever dreamt up something like this. It has to be, only could be, the divine genius of the Almighty. Here is the deal that God makes with us. Here's the offer for the exchange. You ready for this? It's I will give you my best, not in exchange for your best, but in exchange for your worst. Listen to what it says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul writing in verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread when he had given thanks and broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Listen to this. The same night in which Jesus was brutally murdered, By ruthless, cruel men, filled with malice and jealousy and anger and greed and hatred. The night that the worst possible characteristics of human nature, the ugliest hearts, were on full display. The night that all the darkness and twisted, disgusting savagery of humanity was directed at the most innocent and pure human being that ever walked the face of the earth. In that moment, and on that night, Jesus gave God's best to us. Mercy, love, forgiveness, kindness, patience, peace. Remember, on the same night he was betrayed, Jesus gave all of this to us. The exchange was his love for our hate. The exchange was our darkness for his light. The exchange was our cruelty for his kindness. The exchange was our offense for his forgiveness. And in fact, I even have to take it one step farther because not only will Jesus exchange his best for our worst, but actually here is the most mind-boggling part of all, that as far as the gospel is concerned, That is the only exchange he will make. Let me say that again. As far as the gospel is concerned, not only will God exchange his best for your worst, but that is the only exchange he will make. If you come to him and you say, God, well, I'm trying really hard and I've done pretty well in 2022 and and I may not be perfect, but here's a pretty good attempt that I can offer you. The Bible says man's righteousness is like filthy rags. God says, I'm not interested in that. You say, Lord, I I read the Bible a lot. I pray a lot. I I put money in the offering plate every time it comes around. And so I deserve some of your forgiveness and peace. And I deserve some of what you purchased for me on Calvary. Jesus says, take that away from here. That's disgusting. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. This is the gospel. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is... The gift of God, not works, so that no one can boast. Maybe you're here this morning and you wonder, what does it take? What will it take to get God to accept you? Can I tell you, only empty hands will be filled. Only surrender. Only a life laid down. Emptiness. Worthlessness, chaos, darkness, sinfulness. That's what God will exchange all of his goodness for. That's the only thing he'll exchange it for. So, you know, these thoughts, these things are more than just good ideas for us to meditate on. There has to be some application of the gospel into our lives. And so how do we apply this this morning? Well, for some of you, 2022 might have been one of the best years of your life. Maybe you had some huge business windfall and you're doing really great. You have more money than you've ever had in your life. Maybe you fell in love and got married this year. Maybe you had a, a new child in your family this year. Maybe some incredible thing happened and you say, 2022 20, is the best year ever. Well, praise God for that. But there are some of you here this morning that will be very happy to look at this year in the rearview mirror. Because it's not been the best year of your life. And there's been a lot of suffering and there's been a lot of difficulty. Maybe as you approach the holidays this year, if you're really honest with yourself, you feel beaten down. And you feel kind of exhausted. And you feel like the air has been let out of your tires. and you, you, Maybe you want to throw in the towel. Maybe you want to give up. Maybe that's how you feel. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, here is what the exchange looks like for you. Jesus, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're exhausted, here's what the exchange looks like for you. Take all of that tiredness all of that weariness and put it onto Jesus and take upon you his yoke of rest and of peace and of confidence. He's got you. He's with you. He loves you. He's going to carry you through this season. You can rest in that. You can be confident in that. For some of you, the enemy has tried to ravage your life with all kinds of things, with sickness, with disease. For some of you, the enemy has come in and stolen something precious from you. Maybe you feel sick this morning. Maybe you feel depressed this morning. Maybe you feel lonely this morning. Well, here's what the exchange looks like for you. Isaiah chapter 53. This is the prophet in the Old Testament looking forward to the coming of Christ. In verse 4, surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I want you to just think about this. I I could preach about Isaiah 53 all year. So amazing. Do you realize that as he was bearing the penalty not only for your Salvation and your sins taken upon Himself. He was also taking your sickness and He was taking your poverty, and He was taking your loneliness and He was taking your anxiety and He was taking your fear and He was taking all of the darkness that tries to come upon you. And yet, as He was doing that for you and for us and even for the people that crucified Him. They thought it was his fault. They thought he was being punished for his own sins. He kept his mouth shut, and he suffered in your place, even though he was completely innocent. What kind of love is this? What kind of exchange is this? Because if he had opened his mouth and he would say, wait a minute, guys, listen, this isn't my fault. I'm doing this for you. Then he would have shifted that responsibility away. He took it all. He shifted nothing away from himself. He bore all of our griefs and all of our sorrows. So take them and put them on to him and receive in return the wounds that cleanse and heal and wash and forgive. And that brings me to the last one I want to mention. Some of you are away from the Lord. You know, at Christmas time, people come to church that don't usually come to church. Maybe maybe you're visiting this morning and you haven't been in church for a long time, maybe since you were a child and you're sitting here and you hear the words that I'm saying and you feel something when the worship is going on and, and there's a stirring in your heart, but you know that if you were to die today and stand before God, you would be ashamed and you would be ushered out of his presence instead of in. Here's what the exchange looks like for you this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him, who had no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. What in exchange that Jesus literally will not only take away the darkness and the sin and the stain and the shame of your life, but then he will clothe you in his own righteousness. There's an amazing story in the New Testament. It's a parable that Jesus told. I won't read it right now because it would take too long, but it's a story of a A rich man who invited his friends to come to a wedding feast, and the friends, the ones that were invited originally, were too busy, and they didn't come, and so the master sent out invitations into the highways and the byways, compelling the ordinary people to come in, the poor, the sick, the maimed, the peasants, the ones that had not a dollar to their name. And they came in, and they filled that banquet hall. And then the Bible says that the master was walking around and he saw one of the servants who was dressed in raggedy clothes. And he called him out and he said, how did you get in here dressed like that? And he had him cast out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when you read that, you might think to yourself, well, why is this master so unreasonable? He did invite the poor people from the highways and the byways, from the gutters to come in. How does he expect them to be dressed in anything other than filthy rags? And there's only one possible conclusion to the story that the master himself had provided the garments that the guests to the wedding feast should wear. And so there was no excuse for any person to enter in unclean. My friend, listen to me, if you're here this morning, And your soul is dirty and you have not been washed in the blood of Jesus. You have no excuse because Jesus paid the price. He requires nothing from you other than your willingness. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. The exchange is going to happen for you this morning. And in that place of exchange is everything else that you need this is why we as christians we take a whole different approach than the approach of the world in the world you help yourself through philosophy and through science and through self-help and through education and through medicine and there's all these different ways but one of our fundamental convictions as believers is that everything we need for life and godliness comes in one package and that is the gift of god Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. There's a story, there's a story that I love to tell that illustrates this so well. And then I'm going to close and we're going to worship together again. The story of a very wealthy man who was the heir to several generations of wealthy men that have come before him. And each one had increased the family fortune with their own investments and their own business ideas. And this particular man had the idea to invest in art. And so he had bought the most priceless pieces of artwork in the world. He had the most valuable private holding of art. He had Picasso and Rembrandt and Monet and Dolly, you name it, he had it. And there it was stored in a very special room, basically an art gallery built on his massive estate where he would display all of his favorite pieces. One day this man met a beautiful woman, they fell in love, they got married. Not long after that, the woman got married, uh, got pregnant with their first child, and everything was like a fairy tale until the day she died giving birth to that first son. And so, because the mother had died in childbirth before any other children, it was that man and that boy that were together, alone. And from the very beginning, they were inseparable. It's hard to express how much the father loved his son. But soon, as it happens with all children, the son grew. One day he was going to take over the family business, but he thought he should get some life experience first. So he joined the military. He was shipped off to war. But even though he was thousands of miles away from his father, the son and the father remained inseparable. Every day the son would write letters and mail them back to the father. And the father every day would write letters and mail them to the son. And there was a butler that worked there. He had worked for that master since the boy was born. And as the child grew, he, he was there to witness all the different stages of life. And, and he loved that son like it was his own. And the butler would always bring these letters that had come from the battlefield. Well, one day, the butler came into the father's study holding one of those familiar envelopes from the battlefield. The father took the letter excitedly, but instantly noticed this time that something was different. It wasn't his son's personal details written on the envelope in that familiar handwriting. This time, it was from the commander of the battlefield. The father's hand began to tremble as he pulled that small piece of paper out of the envelope and read the words he dreaded most in this world. It said, Sir, we regret to inform you that your son has been killed in the line of duty. The father fell on his knees, sobbing. For weeks, he was overcome with grief, not even knowing how to go on. And then one day he had this idea. He found a very talented local artist, and he commissioned this unknown local artist to paint a portrait of his son. Again, this artist was not famous, and the the piece of art was not objectively worth very much, but it was the subject of the painting that fascinated the father. And so the father took that painting of the son into the art gallery, and he he put a in a special place in the center of the gallery, lifted above all of the other pieces. And every day, the father would go to the art gallery and stand there and just gaze upon the image of his son and remember all of the wonderful memories and think about how much he loved him. Well, the father grew old, one day he died, and since there were no living heirs to the estate, it was to be auctioned. So the day of the auction arrived, and of course, wealthy investors poured in from all over the world. They were looking to buy those pieces, especially the pieces of priceless art that had been accumulated on that estate. The auctioneer began by announcing that they would begin with offering the piece called The Sun. The name of the artist was unknown and the restless buyers began stirring in their seats as the auctioneer started. He said, we'll start the bidding today at $1,000. Can I get $1,000 for The Sun? At the back of the room one hand went into the air you know who it was it was the butler he was not a very wealthy man he could never have afforded to buy a picasso or a rembrandt or monet but that picture that portrait of the son was very special to him because he loved the son and he loved the father and so he wanted it and so he was willing to clean out his bank account to buy the portrait of the son the auctioneer continued He said, can I get $1,500? No hands went in the air. $1,200, no hands went in the air. $1,100, no hands went in the air. And by now the people were beginning to grumble and complain. This is not what they had come for. They were waiting for the valuable pieces of artwork. And this auctioneer was wasting their valuable time by offering this worthless portrait. Going once, he said. Going twice. Sold to the butler in the back. The butler came forward to claim his purchase, and that's when the auctioneer made a startling announcement. He said, ladies and gentlemen, with that purchase, this auction comes to a close. Thank you all for coming today. The people began to shout, wait a minute, what about the paintings? What about the cars? What about the house? What about the estate? What about the property? And that's when the auctioneer explained, I'm sorry to disappoint you all, but there was very specific instructions in the Father's will. That when the auction started, we should begin by offering the sun, and whoever takes the sun gets everything. <laughs> Hallelujah! Whoever takes the sun gets everything. This is the exchange. You don't have to be wealthy, you don't have to have much to give. All you've got to do is receive the Son. I want to ask everybody to stand across this place. I'm not going to give a long, drawn-out altar call. I'm not going to ask anybody to come to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you or shine a spotlight on you, but I think it would be inappropriate for us to leave a moment like this, talking about the greatest exchange, the gift, the greatest gift, without giving you an opportunity to receive it. So if every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question anyone could ever ask you. I want to ask you, do you need to receive this gift into your life today? If you need to, here's what the Bible says. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a simple exchange. Your trust for everything that heaven has to offer. Too good to not refuse. So I want to pray with you, if that's your desire. If you would say, Daniel, I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I want to do it today. This would be the perfect opportunity. Just lift your hand wherever you are. I want to pray for you. Thank you so much. Come on, lift your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to see where you are. Because as we pray, I want to keep you in my heart, in my mind. Thank you so much. Those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what we're going to do. One more time. Just lift your hands if that was you. So I want to see where you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. I'm asking everyone to pray with me in support of those that are praying for the first time. Are you ready? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I receive your gift of salvation, of eternal life, of forgiveness. I confess with my mouth what I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for me on the cross. That he rose from the dead for me. That he is king of kings. And he is lord of my life. From this day forward, I belong to Jesus. And Jesus belongs to me. I believe it. I receive it. And I confess it. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen.